Hi, and welcome everyone to the 111th episode of Serum Rocks. Today we have Kylie Kaiser from Hitachi to talk about security horror stories. Uh, but first, hello Heidi, how are you today? Hello, I'm great. How are you, Marcus? Yeah, we had to postpone this recording because I had a, fro- <laughs> a sore throat, but I'm a lot better now. Thank you. And before we invite Kylie to the sort the episode one thing before we continue here I want to just make sure that we recognize what's happening around the world and of course in Ukraine and what I ask myself is how can I help and if you're asking yourself the same you who are listening I've found and follow Andrew Botenko, who's also an MVP from Hitachi, and and just follow him on LinkedIn because he seemed very knowledgeable about how to help sending aid and all of that to Ukraine. So if anyone feel the need to help out, just go and follow him. And he has a lot of things and ways for you to help out. So I encourage you to go there. So we can all, um, yeah, help out. Heidi, if someone wants to reach us or have questions for us, how can they, can they do that? You can check out our brand new YouTube channel with 25 viewers. Feel free to check it out as well. We're also on social media. So you can look for CRM Rocks on LinkedIn. There's a page there that you can follow. Uh, you can tweet with the hashtag CRM rocks because I'm following that now. And I'd love to hear what you think about it. Um, and did I forget anything else? You can add a comment on the blog if you're at CRMrocks.com. Yeah, very nice. Thank you. So now Kylie Kaiser is a power platform enthusiast who has been working with Microsoft Technologies for over 10 years. She's passionate about the community and shows this through blogging, presenting, and hosting events. She leads a thriving user group based in Washington, D.C. Kylie is also a free-time Microsoft Business Applications MVP. Welcome, Kylie Kaiser. Hi. Thanks for having me. How are you doing today, Kylie? I'm doing great. It's been a busy day, but it's been a good day. So lots of lots of good things happening and great to be here and talking with you guys. So what is it that you do? (laughs) Good question. Um, So like you said, I work at Hitachi and I'm a solution architect, which means I talk to customers and I just help them build their power platform solutions. So I like this because I get to talk to lots of different people. And, you know, Heidi's known me for a long time. She knows that you know, I always have something to talk about, which is good. And um, yeah, so talking to lots of different people and also, you know, helping people on my team learn more things about the Power Platform and learn um, how to develop the tools and the solutions that we're talking about. And I'm also involved a little bit in internal training, plus, of course, external public speaking, like all this stuff and like my chapter that you mentioned. And Um, lots of fun things. So lots of exciting events coming up this year. And it's looking like it's going to be a good, a good year. Nice. We're customers all the time. What's your last memorable customer experience as a customer? I think that's, I mean, that's a hard question. I think we want to, we mean like in regular life, right? Not in power platform life. 
Um, yeah, have you been a customer in Power Platform Life? That could be interesting as well. I mean, I well, I think what's different for me and also I guess Heidi as well, like we're both kind of in the partner space now, but previously we were customers um, on our own, right, at other places. So it is always interesting to when we hear questions like this to think about, oh, do you mean like in my old life or like my regular life? <laughs> but um, I guess in my regular life, I think it's just always nice when someone, you know, knows who you are. So I think something silly like this weekend, we went to visit a small business and pick up some pastries that we wanted. And the person, you know, remembered us and was like, oh, it's so good to see you. And you're like, oh, you know who I am. And I guess, you know, it wasn't, I wasn't really thinking too much about it at the time, but that's exactly kind of the experiences that all of us are trying to give to our customers and their business, right? We want the, their customers to feel like they have that personal touch. And um, yeah, I think that's just so great. So great when you see it in real life because it's so rare, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, I love that as well to be recognized and like just not a people Based walking by. Crowd. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I like the positivity of your answer too. When I was on this as a guest, <laughs> I gave a negative customer example. <laughs> Well, generally, people are nice to me, Heidi, so. Oh, gosh. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> I'm going to share one that just happened today. I am a customer of waste management, which collects trash and recycling in our area. They, I used to be a customer of a much smaller local one that was gobbled up and bought by waste management, which means their systems didn't talk. They could use our help, couldn't they? Right. And funny enough, I think they are Dynamics customers, but their partner needs to work on these transitions. So I have had a very stressful time making sure that our recycling is picked up because it was a different company who did it than the trash. So I was able to successfully chat with them online. Their chatbot was very helpful. So that's good. Now to see if their chatbot actually makes changes that actually happen. Precisely. I'll update you and let you know if my recycling is picked up tomorrow, as promised. <laughs> Tune in next week. <laughs> <laughs> Very good cliffhanger. <laughs> All right. So this episode, we're talking about security horror stories. And then I will kick it off with when I was younger, I didn't consider security that much. So I was like, yeah, let's go with the password that I can remember. So it's basically two or three passwords that I just rotated. And eventually one of those sites, of course, got hacked and something that they broke into it, got every password. And that was the same password as the email account that I had where like, yeah, so then you can log into everything and then try and then you forget and you get the link to go to every other places. <laughs> Fortunately, it was actually the Live account or Outlook account, whatever it's called these days. So thankfully for me, Microsoft said like, well, you tried to log in from, I'm not sure, but like Thailand, Southeast Asia. And they're like, yeah, we blocked that just to make sure that it was you. And if it was you, you, you uh, yeah, I had to do some extra hoops to make sure that I actually got into my email account. And then I was like, Jesus Christ, that was a close one because, yeah, otherwise they would have been everywhere. It, identity theft is just the beginning of it. So I was mm -hmm. like, yeah, it's time to get unique passwords. So I 
I actually bought a password manager back then. That was 2004, 2005. And starting the sort of tedious work of changing passwords everywhere. And yeah, that takes a while. But thankfully, nowadays, when I get an email from Have I Been Pwned? I think it's called that. Then uh, like, yeah, can't do any everything. But yeah, at least they can't go further. Yeah. Are you listed on Have I Been Pwned, Kylie? I've never heard of that site. That must be a Swedish. I do not want to know because um, I'm scared of the answer. All right. So it's a Australian security researcher who's running this site. Like you can register your email and once it gets in the sort of um, password lists they, you get an email saying okay you've been in this data breach mm. so it's time to at least change passwords but it's also yeah sort of trying to help out just put mine in i'm good <laughs> yeah and if you're a corporation you can enlist your entire domain to see if employees use your email accounts as other um, sites as well so it's really good from that point of view so you can just have if your any of your employee emails get sort of leaked there you can tell them you have to change passwords now yeah that's cool. I'll have to look it up. I've had my email, you know, the same email since high school. So the likelihood that I'm on the list is high. Thankfully, I have not had the same password since high school because that w- or that should go on the um, security horror stories right there. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Or if your password is password or one, two, right. three, four, five. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So do you have any horror security horror stories then for us, Kylie? Oh, for sure. I think so. Jumping into like power platform stuff, this was Dynamics 365. Well, I guess it was still called CRM. Must have been CRM 2016, right? Even even prior to that, 40 and 2016 on premise, and we had very complicated security, right? So we had we were in a financial planning, right? And you'd have a financial planner, and that financial planner is within a branch and that branch is within a region and that region is within like the whole organization, right? Um, and each financial planner had people who worked for them. So we want, we're very like compliance. People can't share access, right? So two financial planners can't see each other. Great. That makes sense. Um, but where it gets complicated is all the assistants, right? And all the assistants could possibly work with two planners and we wanted to make sure they couldn't see any extra people. And if things change, then they would have to get access. Um, so there was this whole system of whenever records were created or reassigned, they had to be reshared. And every so everything was run by sharing, right? All our security was set up to be like parent-child business unit access of everything. And then that account, say, would be shared with any teams in the business unit of this account or something silly like that. And so there was just so much sharing. Every record had at least like two or three share records on it, right? And then, of course, everything under that had to be shared. And so we couldn't assign anything directly because of all the sharing, right? We had to have a special reassignment process. 
And, um, you know, there were, this just came up to performance issues too. Like people be like, why are my, why is my search taking so long? And any performance experts we asked, they were like, well, because of all your sharing, because of all your access and all these problems that, you know, we just, when we made the initial plan, nobody really talked about that, or maybe nobody was willing to challenge what was required, right? And so I think, I think in this situation, I mean, it's a hard, it's a hard situation to deal with. Any situation where you have exceptions make it difficult, especially when we're dealing with things where we want compliance, right? And we want to make sure we're not doing something wrong, but we have to figure out how we balance that with the other side of what you know, of performance and of making a good system. And like Heidi's principle, she likes to say the KISS principle, keep it simple system admin, right? And so we want to, we want to, I think there needs to be a balanced discussion there that we didn't really have. And the other thing I like to say is, you know, when you have a problem with sharing, it comes down to this table called the POA table or the principal object access table. If you know about the POA table, I would say you're doing something wrong because as soon as you know about it, you shouldn't, right? We don't want to know about it because if you do, then you're using it and and no, you just shouldn't. <laughs> and so that's been like one of the basis for any time I talk about security. I'm like, stop, don't share. Sharing is not a basis of security. People shouldn't have access to share. Like, just get rid of it. It's bad. There's so many things that you <laughs> don't realize, like cascading shares and these shares you can't see. No, it's not worth it. <laughs> so Kylie, um, would you say that sharing is not caring then? Sharing is not caring. Yes. <laughs> I'll update. I need to update any of my presentations and add that line in there. <laughs> nice. Really yeah. nice. Oh, man. That's my horror story. Heidi, what's your horror story. It's about security. I'll, I'll share a security horror story, but thankfully my horror story isn't like rated R because it happened in sandbox. So it's like a PG horror thriller, I guess. So, you know, like everyone who's listening knows you're going to do all of your security changes in sandbox. So you don't have a, like a rated R horror story, right? So let's keep it all PG 13 here. So I would say, I learned a valuable lesson in being a system administrator of Microsoft CRM, and that was do not use the out-of-the-box security roles, right? So I thought, great, I'm not going to use the out-of-the-box security roles. I'm going to create a brand new one from scratch. Um, but there's all these little green buttons at the bottom of each page of your security role. And, you know, you're like, oh, I've never even heard of that. That can't be anything that I need, but it is, and they are. and when you go live with these changes in your sandbox, of course, um, things just won't work and you won't even anticipate it because you are a system admin. And if you're testing it, it's all going to work. So what you really need is an end user in there. I know I'm going into solutions too, sorry, but you need to get an end user in there with the right security role to test it and let you know what doesn't work. So I know it's not as exciting of a horror story, but man, it wreaks havoc if you don't give the right little green bubble security permissions on very important parts of your security role. I mean, I think that's still that's still a good horror story, right? Because it's so many important things to learn in there, like Ooh. looking carefully at your roles when they are, you know, not just our out of the box roles, but yeah, roles you create. But I'd also add in there like roles that come from ISVs. Like I think that's our 
And so I'm, we're talking about like software vendors, right? You get a, you hire somebody, they send you a solution and they say, here's your role that you have to use for this solution. And a lot of times they've just given like full access to all this stuff. And you're like, guys, this is not, why does this need to be in here? I don't need people to do this. It's the same for them as like the Microsoft rules, right? Like you're saying, don't use out of the box. And that's valid because some of them have like access to bulk delete access to import and export everything. We don't need that, guys. Look at your yeah, Absolutely. And that does bring up a horror story that probably everyone who works with sales reps has ever encountered, which is you forgot to take off one of those delete permissions. And as you know, there's no undo when someone does a bulk delete job. Then you're yeah. restoring backups and that's not fun. <laughs> and, and then you didn't consider the cascade delete and you're like, whoa, what tree did just removed here? Yeah. <laughs> It intensifies quickly. <laughs> yeah. But both of your scenarios is like, well, you tested the system, but you just forgot to test it. You were sysadmin. So the performance, yeah, you didn't suffer from performance, right? Because you were sysadmin. Right. You didn't have to check all of that. And Heidi, you were fine, right? You you were sysadmin as well. It worked just fine. You could log in. Works on my machine. Exactly. So how do we... Uh, redeemate these kind of errors test with a test account is that it here that is one way to do it i i always like to encourage organizations and people who are in charge of crm systems to work with a group of end users for lots of reasons and and you just want to make sure that people are in there testing all of your stuff and you're not just an order taker and yes i have done this i checked this off i pushed it you want to get like the people feedback, not just no offense, not just manager feedback, because the end users are important and they can tell you when things don't work the way they should. That's so true. And I think and it's so helpful in all of these all of these areas. And I think the the other thing that we did for some of this is like looking at baseline performance testing. So anytime that you have complicated security, complicated everything, find out um, how you can do some testing so that, okay, let me run this periodically to get some of those numbers. And that might just be running the little out-of-the-box diagnostic tool as different users from different locations, right? Because remember, we also have latency playing a fact in all of this, which was another problem back at that horror story, right? Is you had security and then you have people on the other coast and they're like, everything is um, going so slow. It was a whole, it was a whole thing. Anyways, yeah, baseline performance testing, um, whether that's with that tool or just from users or automated testing. And I think like what Heidi's saying, uh, you kind of quickly glazed over going not being an order taker is so is so important, right? Knowing let's look at this ask holistically and all the details and really dive in to figure out what you can and should push back on and how we can simplify and make the best choice for our overall solution, right? Nice. Yes. It always comes back to user adoption. I love it. <laughs> so have you seen implementations where most users are either customizers or system administrators done? So true. It always happens. I think, 
I don't know if I've seen implementations where everybody is a customizer, but definitely where too many people are or where everyone is all in one business unit. And I know I'm, I'm definitely guilty of doing things like that too, right? You have multiple people on your team and you kind of give all of them the access you think they need, but I, it comes back to being able to really think about it and who needs this role in which environment. Is there any need for your developers to be admins in QA? Like maybe not. Um, I have a, a short horror story to share there, and I'm sure I've definitely told this at conferences um, in the past, but I back in, in another former life, we had a whole group of um, business analysts, right? And all of our business analysts were still system customizers. And I think this was done because they wanted to be able to do uh, some automation in production. Oh yeah, this is in production. They were, all of our business analysts, um, system customizers, they wanted to do some analytics. They want something, they wanted to make sure they had full access, whatever. And so this was back on CRM 4.0 and we had classic workflows and someone created this workflow that if like an account is modified, then it had one update step to update this field and a separate update step to update another field. So it had three separate update steps of the same record. And then it was triggering on certain fields and one of the fields it was triggering on was modified on. So this, then this person imported a list of 3000 accounts. So all 3000 of those triggered, you know, 3000 system jobs and each one of those triggered three more. And so as you can imagine, this just took out our system jobs, right? So took out all of CRM. CRM was down for the whole organization. And this is like, I'm still pretty new in my career. Um, and I'm like digging in and I find this and I see the guy's name. I go over there. I'm like, I turned off your workflow. I yelled at him. I leave. <laughs> We wait because like, what do you do when you have all these system jobs? You just like wait patiently. They clear out. CRM starts working again. He turned it back on and did it again. So <laughs> don't give people access to do that. Don't use classic workflows. I think this problem with the <laughs> workflows is gone now that it would keep triggering things. But oh, man, oh. <laughs> it was one of those things. I was like, this has been a defining moment of my career and you and I will no longer be friends. <laughs> Oh, man, it's funny, because even hearing you tell that story just yeah. brought back memories from my distant past that I have long locked away that I never like, wanted to oh. think about again. <laughs> Do you need to oh. share? Do you need some no. therapy right now? <laughs> no, I, I'm still connected to too many of those people. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I do have another one that might be interesting if you want another, um, of kind of in a different realm. So this is for a Dynamics Online project, but it is along the, the instance here of giving the wrong security role. Um, CEO demanded system admin permissions. So the system admin gave it to them, not thinking what could possibly happen. CEO Googles, finds some YouTube videos about how to do some things. CEO changes all sorts of stuff in production because CEO doesn't know anything about solution management or anything like that. CEO thinks, hey, I'm just fixing this because this is what I want to see. Changed everything. That's all. Story I done. Had, yeah. I had an old boss who liked, <laughs> he, he liked to have admin and any, like every couple months I'd go in and reduce his access because I didn't think he'd need it. And then he'd be like, hey, I tried to uh, look at the default solution. And I'd be like, what? Oh, you couldn't get there? Try again. And I'd just like give him back access when he needed it and then take it away so that he would stop realizing that I was trying to 
I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to prevent you from making issues. But yeah, going yeah. to default solution in production, that's like Heidi's well, dude, no, mm-hmm. no, just don't go there. And Thankfully, the I think that's harder to do in the new interface. It's very difficult to find the default solutions. So that's nice. That's nice. <laughs> I think the hardest part about your scenario, too, is then the CEO is going to be like, why does it take you so long to do this? I did it in five minutes. <laughs> right? Well, I was called in to rescue, so I just had to help fix it. But yes, their system admin probably yeah. had that thought many yeah. times. Security is difficult we talked about it a little bit before because it's even in power platform you go back to the you want to design a security roles it has this colorful dots and it's this have this miscellaneous permissions at the bottom that's like well i can remove this or i can add this just just try it out right mm-hmm. and it looks like it could be easy but then there are things that are not really there. I mean, security roles can, yeah, can be difficult. Does any of you have stories where they're like gone south? Yeah, I mean, like like you said, I think the security role is so cool because it's like this matrix of your privileges and access levels. So there's so many combinations and it's so easy, so easy to make a mistake. I think most of my mistakes at the table level, right, are on the append and append to. I don't know which one is which. Every time I say it the other way. One is knock on the door, may I come in? And the other one is, yes, you may. I understand understand the concept. I know. Every time I click Mm -hmm. the buttons, I get confused. (laughs) I tend to just give both because I do as well. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Because probably they're going to need both, right? And then, but then I think, where it really comes down to it is all those dangerous, dangerous permissions, like I like to call them, you know, delete access, and then the miscellaneous ones that you're talking about, Marcus, all of those, so many of them, you don't, you just don't know what they do. And I think, um, I'm trying to think of a good example of in real life where one has been an issue. I feel like uh, using Power the apps. app. Oh, there's yeah. like a, there's a hidden one that if you don't have model driven apps permission turned on, people can't see your app and you might spend all kinds of time troubleshooting, trying to figure out why the heck can't you see this model driven app that I made when maybe that security role bubble just isn't green for model driven apps. I've, had that I've definitely done that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> definitely done that. Do we need to simplify them? Perhaps not like we here, but the Microsoft product or perhaps the user face in total like perhaps you want to access the user interface but then you have like oh we have to use view tables attributes i have to view this i have to or then read writes Mm -hmm. so it's like all things just to like do you want to access the user interface well it's very difficult to sort of get that checkbox if you're like hi they want to create a blank Yeah, I think it's hard because on one side, I'm like, yes, it should be simplified. And on the other side, I'm like, well, I want people to have to think about it so they don't mess it up. (laughs) But then I think some of these, some of those miscellaneous ones, like we just need better documentation around what what does it actually um, like? I think when we were planning for this webinar, you sent an example of the ISV extension was like, we can talk about what this does. I don't know what it does. I can't find it. I couldn't find anything about it. Who knows? No. 
You probably need it. Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? I have no idea. That's why I just like, I scrolled through them and like, well, what do I have no idea about? That one, I have no idea what that does. I was like, Marcus is way smarter than me if he knows what all these permissions do. <laughs> but that's the no. problem, right? There is nowhere. I don't even think Microsoft Docs has anything. Maybe they do, but like I've Googled stuff too to figure out what does this do? Do I need to apply this? And there's nothing right. there. Or maybe there's like a community post where someone asks the same question. But it would be nice if someone were to write a Power Apps security role Bible. Maybe we could do that. That'd be fun. Sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Field guide for just security. Yeah. It would change yeah. too often. Yeah. yeah. Lifespan of books is but, very short these days. Yeah. Your your first part of your question, though, Marcus, is interesting. Do we need a different user interface? Well, security roles have never changed since I've been working in Dynamics. In CRM 4.0 for the last 11 years, I have never seen security role change. I don't know if it ever has. And I just don't know what, yeah, I don't know how we could simplify it. Like for the miscellaneous permissions, yeah, there something needs to be better there. But for the kind of top half of all the, the entity tables. level table stuff, how do you, I think I might need it that granular in some situations. Mm-hmm. So can I simplify it or I don't really, I don't even know what that would look like, you know? Perhaps the the one that I was talking about, a user need to access the interface of a power app well then they need a bunch of things to do that mm-hmm. perhaps that could be a shortcut i don't know i'm just blurting maybe a- ideas out and you know what we haven't even talked about on top of these security roles is the different icons right so it's not just on and off it's the user the business unit the parent child business unit and organization level controls so right. yeah, yeah. I mean, some people have really highly customized security roles and they need it. Like you said, Kylie, they do need that level of granularity. Otherwise, they're going to get in a mess of sharing records and having all these awful classic workflows that fire off on updates. And then they become your horror story. Yeah. Kylie never, ever give them share access again. So that's all. <laughs> I definitely, any of the roles I've been building on my current project, I'm like, nope, there's no reason they need to share. Doesn't need to be there. Nobody even has to know about this. I feel that way about access teams. And I know that's a little bit of a different angle of security. It's still part of your security model. But I, I worked on a project at a prior organization where they had implemented access teams, which I had never encountered before. Um, And it was a nightmare. It was an absolute awful nightmare. And they were in too deep. They'd already like invested all of this time and, and money and, and people to make this work when in reality, they just needed to change it to owner teams because they started using it like that anyway. And I don't know if that's true of all access team cases, but I, I have the same feeling that you sound like you have with sharing with access teams. I mean, access teams are just sharing. So they're dead to me. There you go. That's why I don't like them either. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I was in the same situation that Kylie was with the sharing. It was just the, the, the one coming up with idea was me. So <laughs> <laughs> it was when you're like, yeah, th- this should probably work, right? And then we have this, yeah, as you said, we have this, we want to make sure that someone can look a, sort of just the, the one on 
these levels. They want to see everything on this level, not above, not below, just everything here. So we just share it across everything and that mm-hmm. ended up super slow, not really working and clogging that POA table. And they're like, what's that? Yeah. Finding I mean- out it the hard way. And you had a good reason for it. Like, that's what's hard about all these scenarios is it's not like in any of these situations where we're sharing, did we just say, let's just do it just because we think it'll work. Like in all these situations, people were planning it out and they thought that this was the best solution at the time. And it just didn't like age so gracefully, you know? And I mean, it's just, I think that's the hard part is being able to at the beginning of the project think okay well five years down the road is this still going to work and and some of these situations where it is really complex maybe you don't have a good option and you need to you need to really push back but sometimes like to to justify like marcus you're you're saying you shouldn't feel bad like sometimes you don't have the ability to push back and you just got to live with you got to live with the slow system right like maybe that's just the way it is the toolkit seems to be getting a little better too and taking away some of these potential security pitfalls, which is nice. Like, I think we all, not to bring up a bad one, but I think we all heard like the security horror story of portals not too long ago, right? Mm-hmm. That, that missing one little permission. And I know we talked to Nick Dolman about this a month or two ago, um, but one person just missed toggling one switch and then boom, kind of. Mm-hmm. Wrong information everywhere. So, yeah, it's scary. (laughs) Have you looked at the, I think it's called record ownership across business units, where you can have like the owner and the business unit be in different business units? A little bit. And I think my brain hurt and I need to think about it more because I think it's perfect. It's perfect in or should be perfect in these scenarios that we're talking about where we were sharing but I don't think it solves all of them. So I think in my, maybe in my situation where I could have my record on, I can see, I'm getting all confused right now. I think that's, it's, it's very, it's very hard for me to wrap my brain around what it is. I can understand why I might want it, but I'm just not sure if it's going to work how I think it will work. Heidi, have you used that at all? I have not. I only read the release notes about it. And I feel like that's something that I really need to get my hands on and play around with because I guess I'm just really comfortable using Teams, not Microsoft Teams, Dynamics Teams to kind of bridge that gap today. So I need to understand better what that does that Dynamics Teams does not. Then I can recommend you to watch Gatturo's video about it. He explains it very nice of how it works and what the change is actually about. But since it's only in preview right now and it's clearly says do not, not recommended for production environment, Mm -hmm. I haven't really taken the time to explore it, but I find it hopefully it's very useful because some of the situations where the sort of training, well, then you assign the owner and yeah, we always assign it to team because then you doesn't hop around when people change business units. All of that crap is just gone. And then I think it kind of circles back with what we were saying though, about being able to test security, right? It gets very hard um, 
any of these things where we're changing complex things, like how do you set this up in a QA environment and actually have end users really test it and know they're looking at the right stuff? It's just makes me so nervous if you were to make changes on an existing system, right? Versus yeah. on a new one. Yeah, that can be um, an interesting challenge. Yeah. yeah. You know, the, the, the time you want to flip the switch is like, hope it goes okay. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. All right. So do you have any other complex scenarios where you modeled security? I think the other situation that I wanted or the other topic that I was just thinking of as we were talking about um, that new enhancement, too, is the new feature to um, on your security role. You can now configure if it's at the team level access versus team and user level access. So it's like the team inheritance Um permission of the security role. I think that is super interesting and probably could solve also some of these sharing things we talk about. And it goes back to back in the day, Adam Vero wrote this amazing blog all about how security roles at the team worked and how it wasn't what you thought it was, right? So easy to get confused. You think, oh yeah, I'll make it easy and assign a security role to my team and then it'll be great. But then there were still permissions that people needed on their person that um, because they still needed user access to other stuff. And if you had user access to something at the team, then you didn't have access to yourself, right? And so I think that that's a great permission to look at now. And I think the default behavior switched from what it used to be because the teams and user permission just makes sense, right? Like that makes sense for how we think. If this role is on the team, I get the permissions for myself. Um, so I think that that's a really good thing to be thinking about in our new scenarios. Um, I think other other complex security that I don't I don't know if I know the answer for is. Uh, I think someone was talking to me about a scenario where, you know, we have different branches, say, and all those branches have their accounts, right? But then let's say we have special, like, top tier accounts that go throughout the branches. So each each um, branch might have one or two of these um, special accounts in there that somebody else up above needs access to, right? And so then they need what do we do? Because they can't have access to everybody, but they need access to those specific accounts who can't be owned by anybody else because <laughs> that branch needs to maintain ownership and they need to see it. And I'm, that's a situation I don't know how to handle. What do you, how do you handle something like that without sharing? I don't know if yeah. there's this. <laughs> yeah, you lost me by, by like, well, then they don't have and they're like mutually exclusive and like, yeah, we have to draw it because otherwise I'm yeah. not <laughs> sure I even follow. And if you but, have to draw it, then it means there's no easy solution, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Did you follow Heidi so you can give recommendations? I followed. I don't, I mean, I don't have an answer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, but then then I want to roll back to the teams and user roles. Do you have a link to that so we can add it to the show notes later on so people can find and sort of read up on how the things behind the scenes are work so we can educate ourselves? For sure. I'll find that link for you and send it. It's very, very interesting. So I think it came out at least six months ago, maybe a year ago. Um, 
but it's really hopefully new people um, don't even need to think about it. But for people in existing systems with existing roles, it's probably good to go back and look at your roles and review that that setting and make sure you really understand what it's doing if you have roles on your teams. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So to the listeners then, I've added a link to Have I Been Pwned. I added a link to Scott DeRose's YouTube video, so you can find it in the show notes. And then we will add your link as well. So it's easy to co- sort of follow along and get educated as well. For sure. So then we've talked a bunch about how we messed up and how we find ourselves in different difficult situations and that brings me to one of my sort of pet peeves or problems with dataverse it's the backups oh and just control z yeah control c just <laughs> yes undo <laughs> undo yes so so if the customer or i just have a dataverse systems um then it's like well you just have power apps you have seven days of backups. If you have dynamics in the environments, you have 28 days of backups. It's not really a lot because sometimes you're like, well, we need that one from two months ago. And they're like, yeah, that's gone. So how do you usually handle backups, Kylie? Yeah, I think that's a great, it's a great call out. You need them, right? And I think... I don't know if we can make that the decision on this call for everyone, right? But I think it's important that we're talking about it. You make sure you know what your default setup is and you make sure you're discussing if you can change that and if you want to keep them longer. Um, And I think there's a couple options there. Either I think you can keep them longer as part of your Power Platform Admin Center. You can have them downloaded to like Data Lake or downloaded to something on-premise if you needed that. Um, But I think it's important, just it's important to have this discussion with your organization. Um, A quick, a quick aside, another story here that I actually, I stole from my friend, um, Patrick Wright, but him and I are buddies. He leads the Richmond chapter. And um, one day I get a call and he's like, hey, um, we're going to meet you for brunch today on our way to a cruise is what Patrick does. He's, okay. he was driving through our, where we live on the way to get, get on a cruise. And he's like, let's have brunch. And by the way, can you bring your laptop? Because someone called me and said that all of dynamics, all the data is, and we're like, Alrighty. So we have a lovely brunch. There was a giant cinnamon roll there. That was the most memorable bit. And then we're like, let's go try and figure out what's wrong with your dynamics. And we're looking at it and it was all the rows are there, but all the data is completely blank. So, uh uh-huh, uh-huh. And so the issue, um, well, after several hours of us saying, this is weird, what's happening? Um, We realized that the issue was is that another admin had exported all the data to create some new rows. And um, instead of, you know, creating their own template or whatever, they just um, took everything there, cleared the contents of some of the things, but not the whole rows. So the GUIDs were still there and Mm. then updated a couple rows and re-imported. 
And then, yeah. you know, so then we imported a whole bunch of blank record. Thankfully, this system, you know, was kind of smaller use in production. And, you know, people had noticed there was an issue right away. Obviously, they couldn't be updating records because they couldn't see any data. So <laughs> they um, had gone we were what we just did is we were able to go into the power platform admin center look at our recent backups and back you know um restore, restore it to, to production and yeah. thankfully mm -hmm. yeah i think we took their production environment made it a sandbox restored it and then turned it back to the production <laughs> and yeah. i mean it, it was not fun but really uh Thankfully, we saw it when we did, because I think he was like, if I had gone on vacation, would my backup still be here? I don't even know. Right. Oh. But it's just really is like, OK, yeah, you definitely need to be looking at this. Um, what other advice do you guys have in terms of backups? I have something that we should think about. Everyone always forgets all of my friends that are on premise and they have a completely different backup strategy. In fact, they don't have them. And a lot of people that are on prem, if they don't have a very active IT department, they're not taking backups. So you, if you are in that boat, you need to talk to your IT department and come up with a strategy for backups because you don't have them magically appearing every day and stored in a nice place where you can just click and restore the sandbox. So just want to call out on-premise people. You have more homework to do. Sorry. It's always the case with on-premise, isn't it? Such a good call out. And it's the same, same questions apply. Like how long do you need to keep it? And where do you keep it? And all these things. And mm -hmm. if your network team is pushing back on you and won't do it, then, then you're like, all right, do you want to go online? <laughs> or like, what are we supposed to do? Yep. Now, I have a question for you two about that. Do you have use cases where you need to restore an online backup for more than a few weeks? Like, why would you have to keep a backup strategy of like 30 days or something longer than what you get? Just curious. Sometimes it is a um, sorry, uh, sort of a config table that's not used every off so often. And if mm. that sort of gets deleted, perhaps it's just referential. And then it's removed, like, all the relationships to it. And then, like, sometime later, you're, like, looking at it and it's, like, this data that we used to have here, it seems to be missing. And then some time might have passed that you're not really aware of. So mm. it's not very often, but uh, it, some of the enterprise definitely want this. Okay, we want it every hour, and then we want it every day, and then we want the end of every week, and then we want it like at least once a month for the entire year. And then you're wow. like, yeah, that's going to be expensive, or we have to look at third party options. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think some of it might just be we're being paranoid and we. Yeah we want to keep it for those reasons. But I think, I think um, in my life, we've had a few cases where you might've needed longer. I think some might've been um, more compliance related. If there was a case where maybe someone could delete something with good, maybe with, they were allowed to, but then we need to look back and say, well, was there ever a case when this email existed or, you know, something crazy like that? But mm -hmm. I think all of that, then you're balancing that with the storage cost. Is it worth it, right? Is it really the regulation versus you trying to be extra careful, right? And then the other kind of situation I had, which I think we alluded to earlier, is like, let's say someone deleted an account 
and then there was all the cascade delete and you had to try and get that data and then restore it somewhere to a production environment. Um, then maybe you need it longer. You didn't notice some of the pieces that maybe you missed, but still. Interesting. In that case, I don't know. In that case, if it's been longer than a couple of days, you should be like, come on, guys, should have noticed. Yeah. I mean, it's such a living, breathing like system. There's so many things that happen. You had to balance right. all of that, restore the backup with how much work did you do since the last time this was here? Right. And all of it is, yeah, I think in any of these cases, we don't want to restore a backup and overwrite our production. We'd want to restore it somewhere and yeah. pull out the pieces we need. But then, like you said, we shouldn't be, how do we, yeah, how do we get the data we need out of there? Does it even make sense? And yeah, balance that with 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 the storage cost and the work. And yeah, and I think really what we learned is just people don't let people delete things. Don't give people access to do things you don't want them to do, because then you have to be prepared to clean up when they do it wrong. True story. Sorry, I took us down a rabbit hole. Yeah. yeah. You can still blank it by export import and you haven't technically deleted anything. True. <laughs> True. Don't give them oh. export and import access <laughs> either. <laughs> But um, yeah, so, so th there are these scenarios, but sometimes it's just, well, I want to be extra careful because I don't trust myself. So it could be those scenarios as well that, or as, as you said, Kylie, well, there are certain regulations that we have to comply with and they say, I don't know, X years, and then we have to have X years just, just so we can say, tick that box. We have X years. Yeah. Other things here, sort of more security-wise, then, have you tried the conditional access that's really part of Azure? I, I am aware of it, and thankfully, um, I haven't had to set it up myself, but I think generally there's probably either your network team, well, I guess if you're on-premise, or well, not really on-premise, you know what I mean, like your network team or other office admins that are controlling that, but the high-level um, high level idea is that I'm going to say only certain IP addresses or certain areas, right, can access the this system. So this is great for if you only want your work devices to access Dynamics, um, which is really good, but also can raise some raises some usability concerns, right? When we especially talk about like bringing your own device, or if you want people to use their personal phones to access. Um, corporate apps, you know, all of these things just really need to be carefully reviewed. So I think there's a lot of reasons it can be beneficial, but then it also creates additional complexity and all this stuff comes back to balance like we're talking about um, and comes back to when you're planning your security, we're not just thinking dynamics, power platform. We're not just thinking about RUs. We really have to think about the whole, your whole IT experience and how you guys fit in with that and what other stuff is going to impact you, right? And there's always that one outlier that's sort of like, well, we can't use conditional access because of we had one employer that went to vacation and the whole world got locked down and now they need to purchase a computer over there so they can continue working because otherwise, yeah, they won't work for a couple of months. And then conditional access says, well, you can't be over there. So, yeah, <laughs> well. There's always that. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hopefully that doesn't happen too often, though. Uh, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
All right, then data loss prevention. Have you tried that, implemented that for customers or yourself? Yeah, also one of those things I'm familiar with, and thankfully in my role so far, I'm usually coming in after those kind of things have been created. But I think for our for overview for our listeners, the idea is basically that I'm going to determine which connectors can be accessed for business data or non-business data. So the I guess the big example that people like to give is stuff like Twitter, right? I never want Twitter to access business data. Maybe I do want Twitter to be available to use in Power Automate, for instance, for my marketing team, but I definitely don't want them to be able to connect Twitter with my CRM data and publish customer data on the internet, right? (laughs) And so uh, I think it's just, I think it's another one of those things that we really kind of glaze over and don't think about, but it's also really important. And there are also a lot of tools in the um, Center of Excellence Starter Kit too, now that are looking at these policies and can help you evaluate like if you make changes to your policy how does that impact your current um, flows and apps and what changes are you going to need to make so there's lots of tools to help you create these and get them to um, the state you want to be Heidi you're our power automate expert have you been using (laughs) making use of those or like what is your recommendation I I actually am in the same boat as you, Kylie. So that is uh, done by my other half in the organization. So I also come in after all of that. And I thought your synopsis was great. Your Twitter example makes it crystal clear. I don't think I have anything valuable to add to this discussion. All right, then. Do you use logs and audits to sort of see and, and use them perhaps for analytics purposes after the fact to see how your system used, how is it going? For sure, yeah. And I think there's a few, yeah, there's a few different areas, right? So everybody should look at the analytics in the Power Platform Admin Center. Not really your audits, but great to see kind of what what users are using. Make sure you know how many people are writing things. Make sure there's no like crazy outliers of people who are doing crazy things they probably shouldn't do. Um, But then also we have our auditing, right, which you can enable um, on your tables and different fields and definitely require or recommend you setting that up, especially for any of your sensitive data. And especially maybe when you're initially setting the system up and testing things or testing new processes, it might make sense to turn on for certain data points and then disable them later because this does take up storage space. But I think this raises a really important topic because auditing is um, important and it's great to maybe catch problems after they occur or find out why somebody did something wrong. But sometimes I think it fits into this category of security by obscurity, right? So we're like, oh, well, we'll let Mm. people do this, but we will hide the button so maybe they won't figure it out, right? Like maybe people can edit opportunities, but we're just not going to show the opportunities. So because they don't see them, they won't know how to edit them, right? But people still find a way, right? Somehow people, they hate clicking, but somehow they always end up clicking like a hundred times and ending up in the wrong place and doing exactly what you don't want them to do, right? And so I think we need to be really careful to make sure, find instances where we're doing that and then clean them up, right? And I think delete is a great example here because we often say, well, people won't delete because they'll see the button, but they don't know what it means. Um, Yeah, 
Yeah, they will. Like deactivate's another one. Usually you remove, delete. People still have deactivate and you train them not to deactivate, but they'll click on it. Why? Nobody knows because they do because people are crazy. They're like, yeah. yeah, I want this out of my view. I'll click deactivate, right? And so you'll be able to look at the audit and see who deactivated it, but that doesn't help you, right? It's the one user who said, I didn't change anything. <laughs> it is. I love that you, user. <laughs> you had a lot of good advice in that, Kylie, like a lot of really good tips. I totally agree with turn auditing on when your system goes live. Um, we've, we've used that so often, um, for hunting that needle in a haystack, right? Like, why did this happen? I have no idea. Well, now you can, you can go look at it and it actually piggybacks really nicely. Cause then you can do some user training too. If you're like, Oh, I see what happened. The, the user clicked this button, which fired off all these things when maybe they should have done something else. And I, I think it's awesome to do that. You can also you know, on the, it's not really security, it's system admin, but like bulk delete your old jobs too. So you don't have to keep all those audit things. Like Kylie was saying, they take up storage, but they're good to have. So awesome tips. I like all that auditing stuff you said. And sometimes yeah. auditing is the only way to find out if sort of you develop the good system afterwards. You can see, well, you created it and then you have 25 updates and you're like, Jesus, what happened? Or like you said, Kyle, in the beginning, that sort of workflow that just updated, updated, updated. It's like, yep, the audit log is full of it. Mm-hmm. So true. <laughs> so do we have any connectors on um, Power Automate to help us with this then? Do. If you want to leverage the power of Power Automate to add administer your, your settings, there are actually three connectors you can check out. There's a Power Apps for admins, there's Power Automate for admins, and there's Power Platform for admins. Now, disclaimer, I don't use any of these, but they look really cool. Like I'm looking at the Power Platform for admins. There's 33 actions on here. There's a lot of stuff you can do. One of them is list DLP policies. So everything we're talking about is kind of embedded in here. So I think they're at least worth taking a look at. They're all Microsoft certified connectors. They cost no extra money to use other than your licensing you're already paying for. So yeah, check them out. See what you can do. And perhaps it's good to just find out if people are creating new environments that you have no clue that was happening. Right. Good point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, then. So Kylie, where do I go if I want to know more? Sure. Well, you can check out my blog, kyliekaiser.com. I'm also on the YouTube and, you know, other social medias. Happy to connect with all you guys and answer any other questions that I didn't answer before. So, yeah. So that's I'm LinkedIn, Twitter. LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube, my blog. blog. I think that's yep. it. <laughs> all right then um so if we want to see you do you have any public speaking scheduled yeah i do have two events coming up next week so march 15th and 16th i think um for power 24 it's 24 hour event um by xrm virtual so i'm going to be talking about security there and i'm also talking about security with dynamics con um which will be believe 16th or the 17th i need to confirm um but both of those will also be available via um, online recorded after so people will be able to check out the recordings 
Which and is perfect because this episode will air after, so we can put those links in here. So you can just roll right from this security talk to Kylie's other security talk. To watch yeah. me ramble for a whole hour about security. Um, yeah, so <laughs> those will be available. I think I'm also going to be speaking at Scottish Summit in June. So that's the next really exciting thing. Um, and I have a chapter meeting. So my DC chapter is on Meetup. And we meet monthly, usually on the first Wednesday of the month, second Wednesday, second Wednesday of the month. Um, and we so do that's a little the happy day hour. after tomorrow from now, but like yeah. five days ago when this is published, because it's recording for everyone <laughs> who's listening, the, the 7th of March, and it's published on the 14th of March. So we're time travelers now. Yes, but I yeah. bet you Kylie's going to record it and have that available on her YouTube channel. And I heard yes. she has a really cool guest coming tomorrow to speak. I have Wednesday. an awesome guest whose name is Heidi coming to speak tomorrow <laughs> Tomorrow for me, last week for our listeners. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that session will be available up on YouTube to watch later. Or you can join one of our future chapter meetings. Um, we're from Washington, D.C., but we have people joining from all over the world. So, yeah. Yeah. I bet it was fun. Yeah. I mean, it's a topic <laughs> you're excited about, so... <laughs> Yeah. Who would you recommend as a future guest on this podcast then? Well, um, there's just so many great people in the community. I knocked my desk there. There's so many great people in the community um, and so many great people that are part of my DC chapter that I'll quick shout out. I already told you about my buddy Patrick Wright. Um, we also have MVPs Aiden Cascella and Mike Ox who are in our area and they're all excellent and exciting people. Um, Mike's been doing a lot of content recently around the Center of Excellence Starter Kit, which really um, feeds in nicely to everything we're talking about, right? Because there's so many tools in there to help with uh, uh, the DLP policies, to help with security, and just making sure you're developing a system that is good for your good for your users and your users aren't doing anything crazy, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. I think that's a wrap. So thank you, Kylie Kaiser, for your participation in CRM Rocks. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks to your listening. And don't forget, you can subscribe to CRM Rocks. Just search for it in your favorite podcast player. You can find us on, let's see here now, Facebook, YouTube, and LinkedIn. And yeah, yeah, hashtag on Twitter, CRM Rocks. And we will post it there. See you all next time on CM Rocks.